Welcome, and thank you for being with us tonight, Monday, September 19th, 2016. I'm Bonnie Hamlin, a member of the League of Women Voters of Oakland. The League of Women Voters is a trusted membership organization that encourages informed and active participation in government. We do not support or endorse candidates or political parties. The advocacy arm of the League may take positions on issues such as ballot measures and legislation, but this forum is presented by the Voter Service and Education arm of the League, which does not take positions or advocate for or against them. I'd like to remind everyone that the candidates have agreed to participate under guidelines set for this forum, and the guidelines are posted outside this room. As a matter of courtesy, please turn off all electronic devices. Please be aware also that campaign literature or other forms of campaigning, such as buttons and T-shirts and signs, are not permitted in the forum room in order to maintain neutrality. We are videotaping tonight's forum and broadcasting it through KTOP Channel 10. The video of this forum will also be available on YouTube for the broader community access, and you can find links to the video on our website, lwvoakland.org, or through votersedge.org. There were three forums on the agenda tonight. The first was for the position of member of the East Bay Regional Park District's Board of Directors, Ward 4. The second and third forums this evening are for positions on the AC Transit Board of Directors. The second was for the at-large position. And now we are going to do the forum for the two candidates running for uh, Ward 2 on the AC Transit Board of Directors, Greg Harper and Russ Tillman. Ground rules. Let's go over them. Each candidate has one and a half minutes for opening remarks. The order in which the candidates will speak was determined by drawing lots. The timekeepers will signal the candidates with colored signs marked 30 seconds and stop. And as audience members arrive, our volunteers provide cards for submitting written questions. The questions are screened to avoid duplication and personal attacks. The order of answering the questions will be alternated, and each candidate will have one minute to respond to each question. Again, the timekeepers will signal the candidates. There will be no separate rebuttals, but you may choose to use some or a part of, of all of one of your minutes to rebut a response of the other candidate. Following the questions, each candidate will have one and a half minutes for a closing statement. And now let's begin this forum with our first candidate, Russ Tillman. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> uh, I'm Russ Tillman, and I'm running for AC Transit uh, Board of Directors. And the reason I'm running is because AC Transit has a very important job to do. And from what I've seen, they really aren't doing the best job at it. Uh, in particular, buses aren't showing up on time. Uh, there's a major problem with the buses showing up in pairs where instead of one bus every 10 minutes, you get two buses every 20 minutes. And that's extremely uh, wasteful. It wastes uh, people's time. It wastes money. It wastes energy. And uh, there, are, there are known ways to fix this problem, and AC Transit has known about them for years and for some reason refuses to do them. Uh, instead, they put all their effort into these bus lane projects, such as the Bus Rapid Transit Project, and uh, they claim that those are green. They're not. I was able to show that the bus lane project in Fruitvale will take 
several thousand years before it would break even and actually do something positive for the environment. And so uh, I'm here because I would like to see things change and get better, and I think they can. Thank you. Thank you. And Mr. Harper. Thank you. And thank the League for this opportunity. It's very important. Um, I have been uh, the incumbent for the last 16 years. And, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, why are you doing this again? Um, simple answer is I love it. Transit is a very complex, multivariable problem that's taken a long time for me to even begin to grapple. And now I think I have it sorted out totally and have begun working on a number of things I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to start with 16 years ago because I can't even remember that far back. But starting about 12 years ago, I realized that there had to be a key performance indicator for AC Transit, and it was increase in ridership, that nothing else could satisfy if AC Transit could not progressively increase ridership. And I started pulling for that as a performance parameter, uh, overarching performance parameter. The problem was you had to know what your, your ridership was. And so we had to get a lot of technology in place to pick up the data to do that. And over the last 12 and eight, eight years, we've got that. Um, I've also realized that uh, real-time arrival was very important to riders, and I pushed the real-time arrival stuff and clipper card in which riders could ease on there. And so all of these things I started pushing long ago in terms of making AC Transit more accessible and easier for riders to use. Thank you very much. Now we'll start with the questions. Mr. Tillman, you'll be the first responder to the first question. How does AC Transit do long-range budget plans when so many variable sources of funding and only 14% of AC Transit's revenue come from fares? Well, um, they, some of those revenue sources, I believe, are fairly stable. I mean, there are laws that were passed, uh, tax measures, and so forth. I know they have to, they have to periodically repass some of those. But, you know, the citizens have been pretty good about giving AC Transit money. I mean, they get 86%, as you said, of the operating expense comes from these various things. It's <clears throat> sales taxes is a lot of it. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and so um, uh, this is something that just, you know, they work with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, which disperses a lot of the money. And just like any other transit agency in the Bay Area, they have to cooperate. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Harper, would you like to answer that question? How does AC Transit do long-range budget plans with so many variable sources of funding and only 14% of AC Transit's revenue coming from fares? Well, uh, Russ is right in that uh, we have a very good track record for knowing how stable those other forces are. Now, when you have a 2008-9 recession, um, that that took a hit out of the tax revenues, and that's one of the reasons we had to cut uh, – we had to uh, cut so much service. And one of the things I learned from that is that you always have to be able to say that you've only got out enough service such that in any kind of an even mild downturn in the economy, you would be able to say, we're keeping the service in place. And that's something we didn't, we didn't have with 2008. That was a major thing. But that's something that ongoing forward, AC Transit is going to be, and if I have my way, and I'm the finance chair, uh, is going to be ensuring that if there's a bus on your street, it's not. It's going to take a whole lot for us to have to pull it out because of financial measures. 
Thank you very much. And Mr. Harper, you'll be the first to respond on this next question. Do you support a high occupancy vehicle lane on the Bay Bridge? I do. The Bay Bridge is, uh, well, even more so than the Bay Bridge. BART is just totally over capacity. Uh, that's actually more important. And what AC Transit has to have, has to be able to do, what MTC wants us to do, is to step into that breach. And we're building a new Transbay terminal. I'm head of the organization, the Transbay Joint Powers Agency, that's doing that. Uh, and we've got 39 bays. We've got to put a lot of buses on that bridge in order to relieve BART has to be done. So, yes, in in every way, we've got to have that uh, high occupancy lane. Thank you. Mr. Tillman, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they, I think that uh, high occupancy lane is a very good idea. And uh, you have to make sure, of course, that you have, when you have cars in addition to buses in there, that you have some place for them to go when they get, for instance, to San Francisco, that they don't just clog up. And uh, as you know, the streets there are not good during commute hours. So, uh, yeah, I, I would support it. Okay. Thank you very much. And you'll be the first responder on this next question. What can be done to ensure safe driving practices, such as not impeding the flow of traffic at bus stops? Well, I mean, you have to have guidelines for what the bus drivers are supposed to do. Um, and, I mean, there's kind of – there's there's two parts of that question as I see it. One is in the existing environment where the buses are sharing lanes with, with cars. Um, the other question, of course, is uh, in cases where, for instance, uh, in bus rapid transit down in Fruitvale, there are major, major issues where um, building the system has put bicyclists very much at risk. They've left one foot for bicycles between moving trucks and park trucks, for instance. So um, I don't know what you can do about that. Um, at this point, uh, because the situation is sort of set in motion down there. But uh, AC Transit, I think, has a very horrible record of being at all concerned about pe- members of the community. And what they've done with the bike l- lack of bike lane down there, I think, is one excellent example of that. Thank you very much. Mr. Harper. Uh, yes, there are three things that we've got to do and that we've uh, started on. The first thing is we need to have state legislation that enables our buses to have cameras in the front to photograph the license plates of people who are blocking bus stops. Uh, San Francisco has that. We put that in the legislature this year. It wasn't able to get through given, you know, a lot of other stuff. We're going to continue doing that. I'm pretty sure we're going to get it. The second thing we have to do is we have to, we have to make our buses fit our stops. We have far too many Arctic buses. Those 60-footers, when they pull into a stop, they, they block the thing, you know, halfway through, that should just not be allowed. we we got to get away from those 60s as much as possible. The other thing is to have far side stops, which means that if the stop is always on the far side of the intersection. That way a bus has the full intersection with which to pull into the stop. That way we don't have to use as much parking for the stop. We've got to get our cities to understand that no matter who is on the far side that doesn't want a bus stop, that city better want a bus stop. Thank you very much. And if you would please respond first to this question. You mentioned uh, that you felt that one of the most important things to measure the success of AC Transit was an increase in ridership. And so do you have some specific thoughts about how to increase the ridership? Oh, do I? (laughs) Uh, The big thing is the Transbay potential. There's huge pent-up demand that's because of the BART problem, because of the congestion on the bridge that's always been there. 
we have to get the politics of AC Transit shifted from the bias to local um, service, which it has. And we have to start moving it onto Trans Bay because that's going to produce a lot more riders than what we have. Next thing we have to do is we somehow have to move that ATU contract into allowing some part-time drivers to allow us to hire. Right now, we haven't been able to hire by contract uh, part-time drivers for many years. There has to be a way we can pay part-time drivers enough to satisfy uh, union demands because right now we've got to hire a driver for eight hours at a time, which is why you have so many buses traveling around the midday with so few riders. We've got to get past that. Thank you very much. Mr. Tillman, your thoughts about this? Well, I think, uh, first of all, AC Transit's ridership has been, hasn't really been increasing much. I think over the last 20 or 30 years, it's actually been decreasing. And, uh, you know, part of the reason for that, I think, is because the ridership experience is not very good. Uh, making the buses arrive on time, which they can do if they make the right decisions, which they have not done so far, um, that can help a lot. Uh, one of the things I would suggest considering is that because AC Transit is already 86% subsidized, potentially just look at making it free uh, because a 14% improvement in efficiency due to improved scheduling might allow us to just get rid of fares and uh, not have to need any more subsidies because AC Transit is almost entirely subsidized as it is. Thank you. And if you would answer this question first, please. Is the current District Parcel Tax Oversight Committee ensuring the voters' intentions regarding the selection of the members, the frequency of meetings, and the review of audits? So a question about the uh, Oversight Committee. Okay, I'm not actually too familiar with the inner workings of AC Transit. You know, I look at AC Transit from the outside, and, uh, you know, I see the various things that are going on more from, like, a writer perspective, <laughs> And, uh, and that, that's where I see the problems. Um, as a taxpayer, I pay taxes. I don't have any complaint with what AC Transit is doing in detail with my money. I just wish the buses would show up on time. Thank you very much. Mr. Harper, your, respo- your response to that question, is the current District Parcel Tax Oversight Committee ins- ensuring voters' intentions regarding the selection of members, the frequency of meetings, and the review of the audits? Um, I'll go to the last because I'm very familiar with that. Um, It's taken me four years, but finally I got an audit procedure in place just in the last year that now guarantees that Measure VV will indeed keep all of its money in District 1. Uh, That wasn't the case, I have to admit, before. Uh, But now I, I, I am proud to say that with the ongoing VV, we've got an audit procedure that truly guarantees that the money stays in District 1. Um, I don't want to go into the how, exactly the differences uh, in the audit, but the other thing that I disagreed with is I think the statute, the Measure BV statute, gave the Oversight Committee total control over the audit and how to do it. And I was singular in staff and the board with that opinion. They thought, no, all the Audit Committee can do is go with the procedure that we've assigned it and determine whether or not the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. I think that was wrong. Thank you very much. And now, uh, if you would answer this question, be the first to answer this question. How can AC Transit improve service and fill transportation gaps for seniors, youth, 
the mobility-impaired and low-income residents who rely on buses to reach essential destinations? Well, when we get it, when the technology comes, the answer to all of that is what's called flex service. And we're now put in uh, just about a, 18 months ago. Um, we've done our, our a, a program, a pilot project in Castro Valley in Newark, uh, a flex service, to, because they were very ideally demographically situated for it uh, on those kinds of reasons, and the demographics were there. And we're going to see how that works, because that's the real answer. Um, because each of those groups, when you think about it, they don't have the same problems. They really have very different issues. And so when you say seniors and youth, well, <laughs> you know, that's a different bus. You know, that's a different thing. So uh, in each of these cases, though, what uh, a lot of times what they want is responsiveness. And in the case of seniors and, and, and disabled, they want to be able to get almost as closely as you can to door-to-door service. Thank you very much. Mr. Tillman, your thoughts? <clears throat> well, I think the important thing is for AC Transit to improve its overall efficiency um, because, you know, as we know, it, it has financial problems from time to time. It has to get into scrapes with the unions and so forth and has had to cut back service that was needed service for people at times. And I think a lot of this is just because it is not run in a very efficient manner. Uh, an example, I rode the 6 down from Berkeley, and there was another 6 right behind us on our bumper. The one I was on was jam-packed. I had to stand up. The one behind us was empty. And uh, there's a way to fix that. And that's those are the type of things that I'm pushing for, is just improve the efficiency of the operation so you have the resources to provide services for people that they need. Thank you very much. And will you respond uh, the first to this particular question? What is the current status of bus rapid transit for Oakland, and do you have any concerns, and what do you think the benefits will be or have been? Well, I was very involved in the process of making sure that bus rapid transit did not go up Telegraph into Berkeley because, um, you know, we really didn't want it up there. And at least in Berkeley, it did not have really any advantages. It wasn't going to provide much of a speed improvement. It was not going to provide an environmental improvement, and there were going to be a lot of negative things. Now, down in Oakland... I've pulled up the drawings for bus rapid transit down there, and the biggest concern I see is that they're going to kill some bicyclists, I think, because uh, they've squeezed it into a very narrow area. They have one-foot-wide space for bicyclists to go down International Boulevard, and uh, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. I think that was just nearly criminal to do that and uh, should be changed. Thank you. Mr. Harper. Uh, Yes, I want to take a little bit about the bus bunching thing. Uh, If you get on the first bus, I guarantee 90% of the time you're going to see two wheelchairs on that bus. Now, if you want to get rid of bus bunching, stop picking up wheelchair passengers or change the ADA to make it so that the driver doesn't have to go through a lot of stuff to properly secure a wheelchair. And you can stop bus bunching because that's the main thing. The thing about BRT is this project, it was rated by the people at FTA. Uh, and there are a lot of really good transit evaluators and transit uh, people to evaluate small starts projects, taking the $200 million we did from the federal government to do that. This project was ranked number one in the country. That was the, when they looked at what we were proposing, looked at the neighborhoods, looked at the demographics, they ranked it number one. And they, in actuality, were asking that we do the BRT 
earlier and more rapidly than we even were able to do because of Berkeley. Thank you. If you would respond first to this question, are you satisfied with the current direction regarding the purchase of smaller hydrogen cell buses? Are electric battery buses a cost-efficient option? Right now, electric battery buses are much more cost-efficient uh, on a bus-by-bus -bus basis. Hydrogen buses are still running us about a million three each. Uh, we can pick up battery buses for about 800,000. Um, there's a movement on the board right now. I'm part of it. In fact, Elsa Ortiz and I started it uh, to get away from our hydrogen project. Uh, we've been with it now for all 16 years that I've been on the board. 95% um, of that money came out of the Department of Energy and the state. Uh, it was an operation money. We did our bit, though. We were greatly encouraged to do the stuff necessary to evaluate hydrogen. We've done that. We've been there. But now I think we have to get real about what are the buses we have to buy because by 2040, all of our buses, by law, have to be zero emission. Mr. Tillman. <clears throat> Well, 2040 is a long time away, obviously. It's 20, 24 years, I guess. And things are going to change a lot between now and then. You know, the economics, uh, the volume of the buses that are made and so forth, are obviously going to change. Uh, at the present time, uh, in and I don't, I don't have the exact numbers from inside AC Transit of the cost in these buses. However, in general with electric vehicles, uh, the cost of the vehicle is often a major part of its carbon footprint. And so if you're trying to reduce emissions you really have to look at the cost of buying and operating and maintaining the vehicle. And in a lot of cases, like, for example, with Tesla, the Tesla cars, um, you're much better off to get a something like a Prius that runs on, uh, on fuel and is just efficient the way it uses it than getting an electric vehicle. So that's something to, to consider. Okay, thank you very much. This, I think, will be our last question before we move on to the closing statements. And, Mr. Tillman, if you would start with this. Do you think that AC Transit's marketing could be improved, and if so, how? Well, I think, I mean, I think first you have to have something to market, you know, and, I mean, I ride AC Transit. A lot of people I know ride AC Transit, and there's just the general horror stories. You know, it's, it's accepted that it's, it's just sort of like it's a way to get from point A to point B, but it's not a very good way, and most people I don't think particularly enjoy riding it. Uh, they just, they, they have to. They can't afford to drive or for some other reason, it's their only option. And, uh, and so I, I would say, first of all, make some improvements. Uh, the, the push to eliminate bus bunching is one of those things that can be done, has been done by other agencies, uh, and they didn't have to stop picking up wheelchairs to do that. Uh, and so I, I would say, um, you know, Im improve everything that AC Transit can and then have something to market. Thank you. Mr. Harper. Um, I think we have to recognize that the younger generation is mobile. And we need to really realize that with the communication skills that they expect and with the communication skills that we're capable of, we are able to use mobile and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And for people who sign up for particular things on lines, our uh, dispatch service knows all the problems that are taking place at any given time. And that should go out on an almost automatic basis, on a line-by-line -line basis, and say to someone who signs up for it, oh, you're looking at the 12 right now? Let me tell you about the 12 right now. 
uh, that sort of thing needs to go out there. Also, you can use these uh, mobile marketing services. I've seen them. Companies do them all the time, just in general in the promotion of things. I think uh, our marketing department is adequate uh, for people of my generation and maybe my uh, kids' generation, but no longer. Thank you very much. And now we'll go to closing statements. And, Mr. Harper, you will go first this time, and you'll have one and a half minutes for your closing statement. All right. Well, I, I want to take 30 seconds of it to thank the League of Women Voters and put in something that I've always thought but I've never been able to say too publicly, which is if all, the, if all Californians knew the role that the League of Women Voters played in the redistricting reformation that went through, the League of Women Voters would have no trouble at all getting all the money they needed because I know what role they played. And it was tremendous. And I, and I think lots of Californians really appreciate that, but they don't know how key the league was in getting that measure through. There's 30 seconds. Um, I hope you vote for me, everybody who's out there. Um, I know that uh, I've, I've been there a, a long time, and I'm long in the tooth. But I, I look at these. I was on the Emeryville City Council for 12 years before that, and I was on the Bay Area Air Quality Management District for nine years. These are jobs for me. I'm not a climber. You know, I don't move from one thing to another. I go where my interests are, and then I start learning. And once I start learning something that's complex, then I get involved, and then I start looking for policies that have to be changed and I start trying to figure out how to change them. And that's what I enjoy doing. And uh, at this point, I'm still enjoying that. I think this will be my last uh, term here, but I, I hope I haven't worn you out. Thank you very much. Mr. Tillman, <clears throat> one and a half minutes. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, I'm running because I, I think some things should change. And uh, my experience with AC Transit has been that they're not very receptive to listening to the community and that – you know, certainly Berkeley, when we dealt with AC Transit over the bus lane issue, it was a very frustrating experience. And so when I look at the problems now with the buses bunching up, not showing up on time, things like that, and even AC Transit moved a bus stop over by where I live, and they admitted that they lied on the application to the city council and falsified the, the details of the application just so that they could move the thing. And uh, these are the kind of things that I want to see changed. Uh, you know, I want to see an organization that listens to the community and that actually tries to solve some of the problems for the riders rather than going off on these bizarre projects like putting in bus lanes where people don't want them when they don't provide many benefits. So thank you. Okay. Thank you. And on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Oakland, I want to thank the two of you for running for this office and for your participation this evening. I also want to thank the audience for coming to meet the candidates and proposing thoughtful questions. For further information about upcoming forums, the candidates, and ballot measures, please visit the League's award-winning and easy-to-use websites, lwvoakland.org and votersedge.org. There you will find information about candidates and ballot measures and links to other sources of information about the upcoming election. Members of the League of Women Voters do hands-on work to safeguard democracy. While we never endorse a candidate, we are directly involved in shaping important issues to keep our community strong. 
If you would like to be involved with the men and women helping to make democracy work, it's easy to join the league. There's a mem- there is membership information on a table just outside this room, and you can also join using our website at lwvoakland.org. Visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Look for the Oakland's Easy Voter Guide in- inserted in the October 5th issue of the East Bay Express. The deadline to register to vote is Monday, October 24th. If you have moved or changed your name, you need to re-register by October 24th. Online voter registration is available at the Secretary of State's website, sos.ca.gov, or we have voter registration forms available here tonight. Please stop at our table on your way out for forms and for other information. Remember to vote by mail or at the polls on Tuesday, November 8th. Encourage your family, friends, and neighbors to vote, too. Thank you.